I recently had the opportunity to interview two Bible prophecy experts named Bill Solis and August Rosado. Mr. Solis is a Bible prophecy researcher and writer. Mr. Rosado is a Bible prophecy preacher and teacher. I talked with Mr. Solis about his latest discovery in Jeremiah 49, which indicates a nuclear explosion will occur in Iran in the end times. I talked with Mr. Rosado about the relevance of Bible prophecy to Christian evangelism and Christian maturity. Stay tuned for both of these interviews. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I have a very special treat for you on our program today. I'm going to show you interviews that I conducted recently with two Bible prophecy experts. The first is Bill Solis from La Quinta, California. Bill is an in-depth Bible prophecy researcher who specializes in finding and interpreting end-time Bible prophecies that have been overlooked. Bill burst onto the Bible prophecy scene in 2008 with a big what? with the publication of his first book, which was titled Israel's Time. It was a book about Psalm 83, and it has since been published in a revised edition. Bill's latest book is about an obscure end-time prophecy in Jeremiah 49 that seems to indicate that a nuclear explosion will take place in a very specific area of Iran in the end times. It is titled Nuclear Showdown in Iran, subtitled The Ancient Prophecy of Elam. My interview with Bill concerned this new book of his, and here now is that interview. Bill, you have become known in the Bible prophecy field as the number one Bible prophecy sleuth who goes through the Scriptures and finds uh, passages that people have never put much emphasis on, and you begin to show us how important these passages are for the end times. You did that with Psalm 83. Now you're doing it with a passage in Jeremiah 49 that almost no one seems to have ever paid much of attention to. Tell us about that passage. Well, yes, David. The prophecy Jeremiah wrote, um, 596 B.C., has been vastly overlooked, and I think it's a prophecy that could be imminent, it could be dealing with Iran's nuclear program. There's only six verses. It's easy to just kind of pass right through it. But these six verses are very potent, and I think they're very applicable for our time. The Lord gets fiercely angry at Elam, which Elam is part of Iran today. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, where is Elam? And, and it's a section. In fact, isn't it where their nuclear facilities are located? It is. It hugs the Persian Gulf. So when you look at a modern-day map of Iran, you've got Elam and Persia, ancient Persia. Elam hugs the Persian Gulf. It's where the Bushar nuclear reactor is in the Bushar province, which is a nuclear disaster waiting to happen. Studies have shown that it's loaded with Russian fuel rods. Hopefully we can talk a little bit more about that. But it comprises about one-fifth of modern-day Iran. So it was always isolated from Persia by the Zagros Mountains range there. So it's a very unique place, but it's been vastly overlooked. When most people talk about Iran... The future of Iran in Bible prophecy, of course, they would typically go to the Ezekiel 38, where Ezekiel talks about Persia. But his contemporary, Jeremiah, 
actually wrote before Ezekiel this prophecy. We, we find out in verse 1 of Jeremiah, 4, verse 34 of Jeremiah 49, that it was actually written around 596 B.C. during the beginning of the reign of King Zedekiah. Mm-hmm. So he writes about it in 596 B.C., and Ezekiel then about 10 years later writes about Persia. So Iran has double trouble, a double jeopardy in the end times. Well, this uh, is extremely interesting to me because this passage has been so much overlooked, and yet the passage is clearly about the end times, isn't it? It, it, It's interesting. Both Ezekiel and Jeremiah use the same words in the latter years to address the timing of this prophecy. That's the final verse of Jeremiah 49, verse 39. Okay, so then what does it say about Elam? Well, it says that Jeremiah is informing us that the Lord is fiercely angry at which would be Iran today. Something angers the Lord to a point of judgment coming forward, and the judgment becomes a disaster, an epic biblical disaster, David. We're told how it happens. He breaks the bow of Elam at the foremost of their might. And so what we something that's angering the Lord, they're wanting to launch something. They're they're wanting to target somebody. And, of course, today Israel's in the the crosshairs with Iran, of course. And so they're wanting to to strike, but he's going to break their bow. He's going to stop their ability to do that at the foremost of their might, which probably today would be their nuclear program. Now, it's interesting. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel has got a a parallel concern with Iran, not only their nuclear program and the enrichment of uranium with centrifuges, but also their ICBM, intercontinental Mm -hmm. ballistic missiles. You will continuously hear him these days talking about they should not be able to manufacture ICBMs, which he says the only purpose for those is to put a nuclear warhead in them. And they must not be able to continue to enrich uranium. He wants everything dismantled from his perspective. So breaking the bow of Elam, the, the uh, idiom would look like you've got an archer. And Isaiah 22, verse 6 tells us the Elamites were expert archers. You have a bow that's broken. You cannot grab the arrows out of your quiver or the missiles out of your silo to launch them. It's going to be broken. <clears throat> but where it gets interesting is the next verse. <clears throat> Go ahead. Okay, the next verse after the judgment starts to manifest is that the Lord says he will bring the four winds against Elam from the four quarters of heaven and scatter the Elamites toward those winds. There'll be no nation where the exiles, the outcasts of Elam don't go. It's, it's speaking about a worldwide dispersion. So whatever this disaster is, it's going to be of the magnitude to affect the indigenous population to scatter them out into the nations of the world. Now, that, of course, could be a nuclear radioactive scenario. Sure sounds like one. It sure could. <laughs> and um, now we have a modern-day example of refugees coming out of a, a, a war-torn area, and that's the Syrian refugees, of course, that have come out from the revolution in Syria that's been going on for several years now, about 3 million of them. But they are not out in the whole world. They are scattered around Turkey, Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt, etc. So we're talking about something that is much grander scale in that verse right there. Well, not only that, but uh, it goes on to say something very peculiar here that uh, really is fascinating, that the Lord is ultimately going to make this place part of his throne. Well, yeah. See, now these six verses, the first four verses do not bring very good news to Iran. I mean, it's a disaster. It's a calamitous disaster. It says that actually it will be so bad, not only the worldwide dispersion, but it says that the Iranians will be dismayed before their enemies, talking about a a menu of enemies, more than just the Lord being angry. And, of course, today, you know, they've got Israel's concerned. The GCC, the Gulf Cooperative Council, the Arab states on the other side of the Persian Gulf are extremely concerned about Iran's nuclear program. 
Uh, I'll tell you about that because it's built on three, where three tectonic plates converge, and I'll tell you about Ooh. that in a moment. But it, it says that um, there's going a sword's going to come after them. This is a big deal. But the last two verses, and you're starting with verse 38 there, are good news for the Iranians. And, and this is this is the whole bigger backstory about what's going on in Iran today. There is a, a, a nuclear showdown, I believe, and, and that's the title of the book. And also there's a spiritual showdown going on between Christianity and Islam. And God says he will set his throne up in Elam and destroy from there the kings and the princes in verse 38 of Jeremiah 49, which tells us one of the reasons he's fiercely angered is because there's bad leadership. And he's going to have to destroy them and set his throne up inside of there, get rid of the king in that court. And we know that the, one of the most repressive Islamic regimes in the world right now that's trying to put their finger on a nuclear weapon and wipe Israel off the map is Iran. Those leaders have to be taken out. And so uh, they're, they're wanting to launch something. Back to the bow. What are they wanting to launch? These kings and these princes, that they have to be taken out. But the good news is he will set his throne in Elam, and the last verse says he will bring back the captives of Elam. He will restore the fortunes of those exiles, we're told in verse 36, that are sent out into the nations of the world. That is good news, David. Dreams, visions, miracles, mm -hmm. healings. Iran's the number one growing evangelical population in the world. And there are many Elamites, many Iranians, we'll say Iranians today, that are looking to this prophecy to find fulfillment as an exit strategy to get out of that area because it's very repressive in Elam and it's very difficult, Iran, and it's very difficult for them to leave. It's a big but, backstory. But, Bill, we know from many, many other prophecies in the Bible that when the Lord returns, his capital city is going to be Jerusalem. That's where his throne is going to be. That's where he's going to reign over all the world. What in the world does this mean when he says, I'll put my throne there? Well, this is certainly the most puzzling part of the six <laughs> verses. The Hebrew word is kisei, K-I-S-S-E. We, we find this word used in Isaiah 66 where it says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. We find it in Jeremiah 3, I think it's around verse 16, 17, that talks about he will set his throne up. The Messiah will have his throne in Jerusalem in the Messianic Kingdom. That's how we would look at that. It shows, it talks about this in other places as well. We know Jerusalem is where the Messiah is going to reign from. Mm -hmm. So what is this throne in Elam that's got so many Iranians excited about right here? Well, <clears throat> when you study the word, it can mean a literal throne. So one possibility that I like to think about, remember it says he's going to bring back those exiles, those, those dispersed, those outcasts. Some of them are going to come to recognize Jesus Christ. And they will be, there'll be a remnant, like there will be a remnant of Israelis, a remnant of Jordanians, a remnant of Assyrians, a remnant of Egyptians that will go through the travails that they're going to go through all the way through the tribulation. But there will be a remnant that recognize Jesus is the Messiah. And he will, they will be restored back to a, a Garden of Eden-like condition, apparently. So maybe. Kings often had other palaces, right? Yes. Uh, Cyrus had one. You know, in Persia, he also had one in Elam when they conquered it. Maybe Jesus will have a little second palace somewhere in Elam. That's one idea. It's a little bit of a stretch, David. But it can also mean it's a position of authority like King Cyrus, one of the very few good kings of Iran mm -hmm. in the past, anointed by the Lord. <laughs> so he was doing God's bidding. He was used by the Lord, we're told in Isaiah 44 and 45, for the purposes of bringing the Jews out of the Babylonian captivity. It had to be after the 70-year period. So in 539 B.C., Cyrus was anointed 
to bring the Jews back. Maybe he'll have an anointed type person like that. The only prophecy I can think of that's similar to this is the one that has to do with Damascus and how it will cease to exist in the end times. And this is talking about a pretty uh, compelling devastation Mm -hmm. of Elam that's going to require people to scatter. I saw a documentary recently about the nuclear uh, devastation that occurred in Russia uh, and how the people fled those cities there and how they're just ghost towns now. And something like that could occur. Well, absolutely. This is a great concern. Former U.N. Ambassador John Bolton said in the summer of 2010, when the Russian fuel rods were loaded into Bashar, he said Israel's opportunity to strike its window had shut because it would create a nuclear disaster. Are the people of Christians in Iran, are they aware of this prophecy? They are. There are primarily three main satellite television programs that reach into Iran. One of them is Iran Alive Ministries. Uh, TBN has one and CBN has one also. TBN is called Najat TV. And they reach into, over the heads of the mullahs, under their noses, into the households of Iranians who are extremely dismayed with Islam. Many, many Muslims in Iran are dismayed with Islam. Most of the population is in Iran, about 80%, is under 30 years old. They were indoctrinated into these Ayatollah's things, which took over in 1979. Immediately, Iran goes to war for eight years with Iraq. They've been repressing their people, uh, so uh, all kinds of issues. And so Christianity is very appealing to them, and they are coming to the Lord in multitudes, the number one growing evangelical population in the world, growing at a rate of 19.6%. Compared to America, growing at a rate of 0.8%. Amazing phenomena through dreams, miracles. Tell us again the name of your book. Nuclear Showdown in Iran, Revealing the Ancient Prophecy. I understand you also have some videos that uh, go with that. And we have a DVD, a teaching DVD that goes with it that enhances the book and complements it. Same title. And they can get those from your ministry or from Amazon.com? Either place. My ministry website is prophecydepot.com, prophecydepot like homedepot.com. And Amazon, of course, dot com under Nuclear Showdown in Iran, revealing the ancient prophecy of Elam. Thank you, Bill. For those of you who may have tuned in late, I am presenting two interviews I conducted recently with Bible prophecy experts. The interview you have just been watching was with Bill Solace, the author of a fascinating new book called Nuclear Showdown in Iran. The second interview I'm going to present is one I conducted with a wonderful man of God named August Rosado. August is a native of Massachusetts who now lives in Connecticut. His ministry is called Today in Bible Prophecy. August is a very articulate preacher and teacher who has an encyclopedic memory of Scripture. I talked with him about the importance of Bible prophecy both as a tool of evangelism and Christian discipleship. Here now is my discussion with him. August, from a viewpoint of Bible prophecy, what is the greatest burden on your heart today? Dr. Reagan, I would have to say the greatest burden that God has given me is to evangelize and proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. My wife and I travel all across these United States, and it's great to give information about prophecy and what's going on in Israel and the Middle East and around the world. But the burden that the Lord has given me is to use Bible prophecy as a springboard for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we've been on the road for the last three and a half months, traveling the South and the Midwest. We've seen about 13 people come to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, one of them being Jewish. 
And so this is the burden that the Lord has given me is to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Bible prophecy is all about. The main verse for our ministry is in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And Peter says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well to take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and day star rise in your hearts. Prophecy, it's a light that shines in a very dark world. And Dr. Reagan, we live in a very dark world. Yes. And so my, my burden is to not only give information about what's going on around the world, but to use prophecy as a springboard for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, August, I run across so many pastors who say to me that uh, prophecy is just pie in the sky, doesn't have any relevance to the here and now, I don't have time to talk about it. But the Bible reveals that Bible prophecy can be a great tool of evangelism. For example, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached the very first gospel sermon, all he preached was prophecy. He gave the prophecy and said the Messiah fulfilled it. He gave mm -hmm. the prophecy, the Messiah fulfilled it. Mm -hmm. And yet it is so ignored. Here we are at the very point where Jesus is about to return and churches are ignoring Bible prophecy in mass. Yes, and uh, I've experienced that myself at churches that I've called across the country. I would say to this pastor, hey, well, I'd love to come to your church and talk about Bible prophecy, the blessed hope of Titus chapter 2 verse 13. And I am just blown away by the response I get by these preachers. I had one preacher out of Rhode Island. He told me this. He says, August, I appreciate what you're doing but we can never have prophecy taught in this church. I, I was stumbling over words, and I said, well, Not Pastor... a third of God's Word. A third of God's Word. I said, well, why not, preacher? He says, it's just a confusion subject. We just can't have this type of topic in the church. You know, we, we're confused on pre, mid, post, and we just don't want our people being, you know, confused on the subject. And I looked at this preacher, and I said, Pastor, you are robbing your people of the doctrine of the blessed hope. Well, he certainly is, and it's just so sad to see people ignoring it. And you know, it, it's, I'm, Satan must be sitting on the sidelines just laughing about the fact that here yes. Jesus, all, it's like God is shouting from the heavens, mm -hmm. Jesus is coming soon. Mm -hmm. And we see all the signs taking place that signifying that Jesus Christ is coming soon. For example, when John the Apostle on the Isle of Patmos 2,000 years ago, he says in Revelation 1, 3, he says, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy, yes. and keep those things that are written therein. He said, for the time is at hand. So we see, Dr. Reagan, that the time is at hand. But churches, by and large, are saying, we don't want to bother with this stuff, and we're not going to have prophecy teachers coming in and teaching this subject. I mean, I'm a pan-millennialist. I just believe it's all going to pan out in the end. Dr. Reagan, that doesn't sit well with me. Uh, it doesn't sit well with me either because, to me, that's an admission that I'm too lazy to study it. Exactly, exactly. And again, prophecy is a lamp that shineth in a dark place. Well, what do you say to pastors who say to you, well, you know, people have been saying for 100 years that we're living in the season of the Lord's return. He may return any moment. <clears throat> What's different about today? When, when, again, going back to Revelation 1-3, when John said, the time is at hand. Oh, you Christians for 2,000 years have been saying the same exact thing. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And, well, where is Jesus? I don't see him. Jesus, where are you? I mean, where is he? But you know something? A lot of the denial about Jesus coming back is coming from those within the church. I know. In Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. I was turning there. <laughs> Peter says that in the last days you would have these mockers, this these This is the fulfillment of prophecy. It shows we're living in the last <laughs> exactly, days. Exactly, exactly. You keep talking about the signs of the times. Of all the signs of the times that exist today, what do you consider to be the most significant? I, I would have to say the, the most significant, and I know you, you hear this a lot, 
is, of course, the rebirth of the state of Israel. Yeah. That is one of the major signs that prophecy is being fulfilled. Well, end time Bible prophecy focuses on Israel. It fo- Israel is the main piece of, of Bible prophecy. But again, the church is denying this. And they're saying that God wants nothing to do with Israel anymore. He wants nothing to do with the church, uh, uh, with the Jews anymore. All the promises that God gave to the Jews are now null and void. They've been transferred over to the church. And so now, Dr. Reagan, we're the new Israel. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, you know, we August, replacement theology. even if you didn't know anything about Bible prophecy or didn't believe it, you would have to just stop and think maybe something supernatural is going on because no people in all of history have been scattered all over the world, brought back, and their state come back into existence when everybody in the world hates the Jews with a passion and wants to do everything to stop them. You know, when I read those prophecies, I, I get goosebumps, Dr. Reagan. <laughs> you know, when, when I read Isaiah chapter 66, verses yeah. 7 and 8, God said to Isaiah, shall a nation be born in one day? How many nations do you know that were born in just one day? And it says the birth pains are coming after. Exactly. And that's what happened. The birth pains are continuing to this day. Even to this very day. I would also point to the fact that for the first time ever in all of history, we're seeing a convergence of all the signs. I mean, mm. it's not just one sign or this sign. The most important one is Israel, but there's a convergence of a all whole bunch the of signs like we've yes. never seen before. Yes, absolutely. And, th- and we're seeing all these signs today. We're seeing prophecy being fulfilled right before our very eyes. I just can't understand how anybody can deny this. We're seeing Bible prophecy in the 21st century fulfilled right before our very eyes. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, I know this. I know the people in the pews are interested in Bible prophecy. They are fascinated by it. They want to know what's going to happen. The problem we're running into is the pastors. Yes. That is the roadblock. And, and, and i give you a great example of it. Uh, each year, uh, one of our colleagues, Al Gist of Maranatha Ministries, holds a, uh, a conference, a, a large conference. And for many years, it was held in Broussard, which is a suburb of Lafayette. The first time he ever had Tim LaHaye come to be one of the speakers at that conference, he called every large church in that area and said, how would you like to have Tim, La- Tim LaHaye free of charge to speak on Sunday morning? And they said, we're not interested. Tim LaHaye. Free of charge. Not, <laughs> not interested. That is a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Yes, it is. Yes. To think that they, they have no interest in their people hearing anything about the coming of the Lord. Again, Dr. Reagan, what does that tell you? I mean, we just see this trend, a dangerous trend, going on in the church right now where preachers are not interested in a doctrine that permeates a third of the Word of God. Yeah, I mean, that's you, a shame. If you give a conference on church growth, they're all there. Church growth. You want to see church a church business. grow? Preach Bible prophecy. Yes. There you go. There you go. And again, it just goes back to that pastor telling me we will never, ever have prophecy taught in this church. I don't want to confuse my people. No, you are robbing them of the doctrine of the blessed hope. How did you get interested in Bible prophecy? It was back in 1988 when I got saved, April 22nd, 1988. 10.49 a.m. on a Thursday morning. <laughs> Dr. Reagan, I remember it like it was just yesterday. Well, that sounds like And, and uh, a Baptist preacher uh, came to my house, won my wife to the Lord. And then uh, he said, uh, August, we're going to go to a, a synagogue on Saturday. And I said, well, why, why are we going to go to a, a synagogue? He says, we're going to go and try to reach out to the Jewish people. And I said, why? <laughs> he said, well, August, number one, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, was a Jew. I, I thought he was a Baptist. <laughs> I, I thought he was a, a, a Baptist. And, uh, you know, no, 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 August, he was a Jew. And the Jews are God's chosen people. And we're going to go there, and we're going to try to reach out to the Jewish people. 
He took me to that synagogue on the Shabbat, the Sabbath, and God spoke to me right there. And wow. the pastor told me right there when we were in that synagogue, he said, August, don't let anybody tell you different. The Jews are a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And right there, God just clicked something right at me. And I started to just study Bible prophecy. Now, I'm just a student, brother. I've been studying prophecy for 26 and a half, year, a half years, and I'm still learning something new every single oh, day. Yes. Oh, but yes. I am just so addicted to the study of Bible prophecy. Every time I study Bible prophecy, I just want to practice my rapture takeoff. I get so excited about uh, the subject. That story you just told me, you must have a broken heart over the way in which the vast majority of Christians of the day argues that they, God has washed his hands of the Jewish people and has no purpose left for them. wants nothing to do with the Jews anymore, and we call this heretical anti-Semitic doctrine replacement theology. And a lot of Bible seminaries, a lot of churches are teaching this heretical doctrine. If you believe in replacement theology, my advice to you is to rip out Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11 out of your Bible. Because as long as those chapters are in there, Paul refutes that blasphemous doctrine. He says very clearly, in fact, that uh, God has a purpose for the Jews, and He has a future for the Jewish people. And we know that from what Bible prophecy tells us. Not only does He have a future for Israel, but He has a future for the church. And I always say this when I preach at churches all across the country, Dr. Reagan. If God can break His promises to Israel, well, guess what? You don't have a leg to stand on either. If God can break His promises to the Jews, yeah. then that means He can break His promises to me. It's a wonderful point. I mean, if He didn't mean what He said when He made those promises to the Jewish people, then how do we know that He mean what, what He says when He promises the rapture of the church or that we're going to reign with Him for a thousand years on this earth? Amen. And I take the Bible, as you say, Dr. Reagan, for its plain sense, literal meaning. Yeah. And if the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense, or you will end up with nonsense. And there's a lot of nonsense being propagated in the church today, especially when it comes to Bible prophecy. Just take God at His word. Take Him at His promises. All God's promises are yea. And that sits well with me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, August, I must say that if you ever develop any enthusiasm about any of this, you'll probably be a pretty good preacher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> well, tell us how people can get in touch with you and your ministry. All they have to do, Dr. Reagan, is go to my website, www.todayinbibleprophecy.org. They can sign up for our newsletters, look up our Israel Prophecy Tours, and they'll look at our online bookstore. We have a number on there, and that's how they can get in contact with and us. And they can also invite you to come and speak at their churches. And I would love yes. to come and speak at their churches on Israel Bible Prophecy and current events. Absolutely. Isn't it amazing how God can take a man who grew up knowing nothing about Bible prophecy and transform him through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit into a powerful preacher of the Word? I hope this program has been a blessing to you, and I hope you will be, join us again next week when I will present two more interviews with Bible prophecy experts, one of whom is a lawyer who became a pastor, and the other is a dynamic young man from the Dominican Republic. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. Until next week, the Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. If you would like to learn more about Jeremiah's amazing prophecy concerning Elam and its indication that modern-day Iran will suffer a nuclear attack in the end times, contact us for a copy of Bill Salas' book, Nuclear Showdown in Iran, Revealing the Ancient Prophecy of Elam. This is Bill's best book today. And this book could be yours for a donation of $20 or more, and that includes the cost of shipping. To order, call the number you see on the screen between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, or order online at lamblion.com. 
And when you order this book, we will also send you a complimentary copy of Dr. Reagan's 40-page booklet titled A Prophetic Manifesto. This is a hard-hitting declaration about how the paganization of society and the growing apostasy in the church are rapidly moving our nation towards the judgment of God and its destruction. Again, to receive these two challenging books about how end-time Bible prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes, call the number you see on the screen, order online through our website at lamblion.com. Just ask for offer number 701. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 